Hello, hello, hello. I'm Lady Polana, the CEO and founder of Endure Entertainment, the home of clean entertainment with one vision, one goal to inspire. God has really blessed Endure Entertainment. We've been open for one year and God has blessed us with being featured on CBS, NBC, and Fox December 2021. Nominated for the 2022 Gospel Choice Music Awards for Independent Broadcast of the Year. Glory be to God. January 2022, we had our first annual virtual extravaganza award blessed by Pastor Josiah Whitfield, Greg G. David Taylor, Marilyn P., Elder Michelle Hinton, and Larry Edwards Jr. Introducing the Endure Entertainment Television Network television personalities were May Rodriguez, Michelle Jackson, Evangelist Corey Thomas, Pastor Michelle Hinton, Prophetess T. Freeman, and yours truly, Lady Falana. All our amazing shows with their own flavor on how to introduce the love of Christ to the world and that's Bonafide Talk. Family Endure Entertainment has reached 18 countries outside of the U.S. and we're on syndicated on 18 different podcast directories. You can view our shows on our website at bftm.live. We air our shows live five days a week on our website. And you can view our 24 hours a day, seven days a week television station on our website, bftm.live. Keep us in your prayer, guys. We are certainly praying for each of you. We are Endure Entertainment, the home of clean entertainment with one vision, one goal, to inspire Hey, we want to give a shout out to all those that make it possible for us to be seen live on this broadcast. Starting with the Clean Queen, treating you like royalty. We have digitals, custom computer builds, meeting all your electronic needs. Underground t-shirts, being creative as you see fit. Highly favored productions. The ministry where music and lyrics come together. Mountain Mike's Coffee House, a small business treating you like family. For sponsorship opportunities, give us a call at 270-986-7996. Thank you for tuning in to I've Got Favor, where it's your time to shine with your host, Prophetess T. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are on God's green earth. I want to thank you for tuning in to I've Got Favor, where it's your time to shine with me, your hostess, Prophetess T. Hey, tonight, y'all, we got some good tea to go sip on. So I want y'all to do me a favor real quick um, before we get started. 
you know, that button at the bottom of the screen? Can you go on and hit that share, share to your groups, invite your people in? We're talking about saving our children on this evening. Remember, we're about renewing and resetting our minds so that we can have healthy relationships. So we do not want to forget the children that we have in our life or those that maybe we influence. Um, we want to talk about some things that we can do to maybe perhaps influence our children to get back on the right path or to stay the right course. Um, I think that tonight, the scripture that was touching me the most, um, I'm talking about Proverbs 22, 6, um, where it says, train up the ch uh, child in the way he should go. And then when he gets older, he will always come back to that. So I kind of, you know, I paraphrase that scripture a little bit, you know, I get a little bit up. But basically what I'm trying to say is if we teach our children, if we train them in what their, their strengths are, what they have the talents and the gifts for, if we give them boundaries and establish a path for them to go upon, even if they, you know, take a misstep, um, they'll always go back to where they need to go. So I think right now is the greatest opportunity for us um, with the pandemic that's going on, you know, people being more at home than we have been because we so we've been so busy with trying to, you know, get our hustle on, trying to get our build our bag and, you know, all this and that, that now, you know, families are starting to be up under each other a little bit more. But here's an opportunity for us to once again uh, heal the family unit by starting with our children. Because again, our children are our future. This is the future generation. And I'm kind of nervous about what's going on with that generation. Even looking at the statistics of broken homes, um, you know, single parent families. And then you have the, uh, the situations that are going on now uh, where there's violence. I mean, children committing violence. And I'm talking about like taking life violence now all because somebody missed something somewhere so why not take an opportunity as a community to once again be about our father's business right so we are our brother's keeper and we've forgotten that somewhere in the community so in saying all that because you know how i do <laughs> around the mountain and over the hills and through the valley i found a wonderful wonderful individual that i happened to come across at a community event and just something about her you know sparked my interest um and then to come to find out that she's an amazing person in the hardin county community now y'all her her bio um reads deep so I'm only going to share a little bit of it, but she is amazing. Her name is on your honor, Kimberly Shoemate. She's a district judge, the ninth judicial district judge here in Hardin County, where I reside. Um, she's a member of Grace Heartland Church in E-Town, and she's an active member as well of the women's ministry. But get this now. Y'all know we don't want to go in front of judges, do we? <laughs> we do everything we can possibly to avoid a judge. But tonight is going to be one of those events you definitely want to be before her. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I just, her, what she exuberates, I would have never put her in nobody's courtroom. Because, I mean, we have our own perception of what judges are like. I don't think we even think of them as human beings outside of the courtroom. But she does a lot 
for her community. And I just wanted her to share some of the vision that God has placed within her on some things that she is doing to reach out specifically to our teenagers. And right now, you know, they look like grown folks running around here. And I think we have forgotten that they're still children and we give them too much freedom to make their own choices and you know, have their own individuality and they need a little structure. And I think some of uh, the programs that she has engaged within the community is doing just that. It's bringing them to the reality that at some point in their life, uh, decisions have to be made. And which road are you going to take? You know, you're going to come to that crossword. So I'm so excited to introduce to you um, who may not know her, and even some of you who do know her. This is, once again, Judge Kimberly Shumate. So, Your Honor, I, I, I don't know if I should call you Your Honor, Judge Kim. <laughs> Whatever you are comfortable with, I've probably been called that and more. <laughs> I can imagine. I can only imagine. But I want to, once again, I truly, truly thank you. You guys, she had training this week, so uh, and she just got home and she's willing to give up a, an hour for us. So let's make this good. Like I said, make sure y'all share and engage. This is a conversation, not just T and the judge. It's all of us. We're going to talk about some community things that she's doing and anything else that God places on her heart to share with you guys. So I told a little bit about you, but there's a lot about you. People probably don't know that I would like you to tell. And the floor is yours. <laughs> Well, I am a district judge in Hardin County, which means that one of the functions I carry is juvenile court for delinquency charges. So anything that would be a crime if you were an adult comes into delinquency court. You've heard that old phrase, a juvenile delinquent. So that's our delinquency court. So I do have the privilege of working with juveniles in our community in that light. And I've been on the district bench doing that work for just a little over 25 years. So I feel like I've got a handle on what comes as far as the courtroom for our juvenile work. So I do love that work. But I'm also a wife and a mother and a nana and a member of our community as well. So I love what I do and I love the community that I live in. So if you wanted to know something about me, I would say that I, I have lots of roles um, and, I, and I enjoy every one of them. And you wear lots of hats. <laughs> lots of hats and lots of robes. <laughs> and, and like I said, I just think you're truly amazing. I, I, I've only known you for a little while. Um, and I still, you know, want to get to, to know, get more familiar with you. Um, but like I said, you just exuberate something that draws. <laughs> so well, I, I, no, no problem. I kind of. I started researching you because, like I said, you. you <laughs> <laughs> so um, and then I came across uh, really because I had never heard of a teen court um, and you do it for more than just individuals that are in Hardin County. Yes and no. Um, OK, I want to tell you a little a little Bible verse teaser and then I'll go and then I'll talk about teen court. When you're talking about Proverbs 22, six, I just have to tell you this fun. Several years ago, I was at a baby shower. Uh -huh. And they were opening up cards as they give a gift, of course. And an older woman had given a card to this young mother. And it's Proverbs 22, 6. And it said, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he was old, he will not depart from it. Well, she didn't get as far as the whole card. And to this day, every time somebody reads the verse she read, she stopped at. And when he's old, he will not depart. And she said, you mean the Bible says they're never going to move out of my house? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, 
sometimes <laughs> I know we feel like we, we get our kids back. We think we're going to get them all propped up and they're going to be adults. They're going to go away and they do come back. But anyway, <laughs> our goal is that we do get kids that are strong and resilient and able to manage life on life's terms on their own and that we build them up to be that next generation of, of family members and leaders in our community. But I, I, that's been forever ago. When you said that, it just brought it to mind. I got tickled. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you about Teen Court, a little bit about our Teen Court program. Teen Court has been in Kentucky for over 30 years and in Hardin County for the 25 years that I've been here. I brought it in my very first year and I absolutely love this program. It's an opportunity for um, juveniles who have charges to be able to do them in diversion, meaning they don't have to have a criminal record. You catch them within the process before they come to an official court judge. And it also marries that up with local teen attorneys and bailiffs and clerks and jury members that we train to take over the courthouse. Wow. So on Thursday nights in Hardin County, teens take over the courthouse. And so I get to train volunteers from the community to be a part of that program. And those are the ones that can come from Hardin County. And they also come over from LaRue County and from Nelson County, from Fort Knox. Um, and so they come from some surrounding counties to help me train and be a part of that cohort that works the courtroom. But the cases that come to me, the ones who have um, juvenile charges, those are only from Hardin County. Oh, okay. We have a really large group. We usually swear in about 100 students each fall um, to be a part of that teen court program to get them invested in their community and helping other teens. So I got a question. What made you decide to do this? Well, when I first, the first year I came to the bench, our administrative office of the courts, which runs the court system, they give us buildings and employees and thankfully paychecks. Those people came in and said, we've got this really neat program. And we happen to have a local attorney who used to be a high school teacher that's willing to jump in the fray with you if you'd like to start it in Hardin County. And so um, we didn't have one at the time and they were wanting to expand. Hardin County, of course, is out of our 120 Kentucky counties. Hardin County is um, still considered the fourth largest county. And so they really wanted that program to get started in some of the larger counties. So I was like, well. I'm, I'm here. I'm doing new stuff. Let's jump in and let's do it. I really came to the bench because I really believed that there was more we could do for the juveniles in our community. And that was my drive to be a judge in the first place. So when they said, here's something you can do for juveniles, we just jumped in it from the very beginning. I, and I think that it, to me, it sounds like a wonderful uh, program. I think it's something that every school I mean, is that a possibility that a school could actually bring their students to witness that? Is that well, no, because these are actual juvenile cases. Real and cases. These are. This is not mock trial. I've also done mock oh. mock trial where you like take students and go to a tournament and show off their skills against each other. You know, com competition. This is not pretend competition. These are actual juvenile cases, and so we give juveniles that right of confidentiality. Basically, you get to mess up as a kid and leave it behind you and not have it follow you to an adult record. So that confidentiality means only the students and family that are sworn in and do our training are able to participate in teen court. So if you want to be a part of it, you have to show up, go to open house. If you want to learn more, look us up on YouTube for some tapings of old open house. And then you have to train with us and be sworn to confidentiality. The other right hand be sworn <laughs> to confidentiality before you get to hear a case. 
because oh. we have to promise those kids that that work they do as kids stays and, and it won't follow you to adult. So it's let me ask you this, since there are real cases that they're handling, mm -hmm. um, is what's the follow-up to see what your statistics are afterward with the, the children that come through? this court system? Because it's not an official court proceeding, we don't have any any recidivism statistics. But basically, if an individual comes into teen court as a teen court defendant, then if they complete their sentencing, it's considered diversion and it's dismissed. If they don't complete their sentencing, then they go back in front of a judge. Sometimes that's because they haven't had the um, family support they needed to be able to finish or they moved out of state and they weren't able to get it completed. But very, very few, just from a, I don't have, a, I can't quote you numbers because they're not actual cases. Once we delete them from the docket, I don't have them. Mm -hmm. But very few do we see back again on a juvenile docket later. I mean, very, very few that come through teen court. Very few. Like, so like a couple out of a hundred. A couple out wow. of a hundred. I mean, very few. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, um. Well, I know now that I know it's more of a confidentiality thing, so I won't get too deep into asking too many questions. You, can ask, um, you ask everything you want, and if I'm not allowed to answer it, I'll tell you that. So you okay. ask everything. Okay. So um, uh, what, do you, what do you think is the cause for a lot of them even ending up in, in this situation? I'll tell you this. When I started on the bench, I wanted to see – what is it that was motivating families? What was it that was a common factor in our Hardin County juvenile delinquency docket? Was there a common factor? And so as a defense attorney, I had seen very often that the folks that came in came from um, a place where there weren't two parents in the household, you know, where there weren't two adults in the household. It doesn't matter whether you've been married or never been married, but if you've got a, a, a mom and a dad or two moms or two dads or whatever your situation is, but you've got two loving parents that are still involved in your life, whether they're married or not, that that was, to me, I could see the breakdown of family. That was my biggest concern. So in the first year on the bench, I kept statistics, just my little hand, little notes, just put a pen and kept up how many families came in where that juvenile only had one active parent in their life, whether it was their mom or their dad. And over 90% of the juveniles that came to me that made it all the way up to a judge in delinquency court only had one parent active in their life. Wow. And nationally, they'll tell you that the, the strongest resiliency factor for children and their success is having strong relationships with a mature adult that they believe that they can open up to. And often having that in the form of a mentor, somebody that may not be inside their family. But what I saw in Hardin County was at, the, at least at that particular point in time, it was there just weren't two parents that were involved in the lives of their children. And it really does matter. I mean, we know we know single moms and single dads who are trying to do it on their own. And it is hard. You know, if you're trying to work a job or two and put food on the table, keep a roof over your head, watch out for your kids and their grades and their activities and getting them where they need to be and then taking care of yourself physically and mentally and emotionally. And it's a lot. It's a lot. And um, most folks these days will have more than one child and they're trying to manage all those things. And and it's just hard to keep up and and sharing that load with another responsible adult really makes a difference in being able to have that connectedness with those juveniles. And as teenagers, you really got to keep check. 
I mean, you've really got to do the new check-ins. You've got to feel like they're able to speak and they're able to respond. And we'll be honest, you know, sometimes teens don't want to tell their parents everything that's going on. But as long as that teen has got another responsible adult that they can open up to, then that's their top resiliency factor for for being successful and not coming into juvenile court and delinquency. I think you said a mouthful, and and I believe that too. When you have two healthy uh, people to be around to be that support uh, system yeah. to kind of you know keep them uh, focused in the in the right path, that it makes a difference. And, and we like know said, that every family has that opportunity. We know that. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes that parent is just not in a good place. Yeah. They may be dealing with issues of substance abuse or they may be incarcerated. They may just be absent. They may be unknown. I mean, we know that not every family has that opportunity to have two healthy individuals as a mom and a dad or, like we said, other parents. But, you know, the putting adults in their path, mentors, really, really matters. And that's why I said I wanted to get into the other program you were involved in, because I noticed you took an interest too, and teenagers in that aspect, too. And it, it looked like it's kind of a mentorship program. So could you tell me? A little yes, bit? are you talking about Rainbow and Demolay? Uh-huh. Yes. Um, the Masonic organization in Kentucky has youth organizations, Rainbow for Girls and Demolay for Boys. And I'll be honest with you, 25, 30 years ago, it was about as segregated as a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock in Hardin County. You know, you know, you have churches that are all one denomination or all one ethnicity and social groups like fraternity groups and sorority groups are oftentimes that same way. But our youth groups are no longer like that. So they're open to um, to everyone, anyone. Now, Rainbow for Girls and Demolay for Boys, if you want to become involved as a teenager, you have to profess a belief in one true and living God. And every meeting will be open with prayer. You'll be saying the pledge to the flag. You'll believe in, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so if you're not comfortable with those things, then you won't be comfortable coming in. Not that we say you can't, but you won't want to because it won't align with your belief system. Okay. In those organizations, we're trying to take young people and bring them up to be good, solid citizens. We have some, um, each one has seven founding principles that basically teach those lessons where you learn those and teach those. You learn as a teen and teach as a teen. And they have some formality. I say they're kind of like combining a church youth group, Girl Scouts, and a sorority in Rainbow. So we do the, the things like Girl Scouts do where you do activities, we call them service projects or philanthropy work or fun projects like you might do in scouting. Um, it's like a youth group because we gather together. We have a similar mindset, a faith-based mindset in what we do, and, and that drives what we do. And the adults are in that same mindset. And then it's kind of like a sorority in that you file a petition to belong. In other words, you say, I believe these things and I want to be a part. And there's an initiation where they put on formal dresses and, and do their memorize their scripture and their lessons and share them in that formal way like a sorority might. Okay. So, but that's my rainbow for girls. And Demolay for boys is very much the same as that. It's just for young men. And so what are some of the things that you think, um, you know, as a leader in the community um, that we could do to kind of help um, parents, like you said, if you if you know someone that uh, is a single parent or maybe a parent, you know, that that maybe is having some difficulty in the relationship that could help to strengthen our community as far as our children. Because I know it's one thing that um, I, I've noticed, like in the smaller towns, uh, they don't have like groups like that 
like what you were talking about, or even big brothers, uh, big sisters. Um, my husband being from Chicago, he was like, they didn't even have like peewee football for the, the inner, you know, uh, workings of Chicago. So where they found family was in gangs. So what can we do as a community to kind of help those that are struggling that are raising children, mm -hmm. um, help them um, to strengthen, you know, the, our children so that they don't get themselves caught up into the systems or even the poverty mindset that some of the lower income families tend to maintain generation after generation after generation. I would say number one is get engaged, become engaged in your community. And so sometimes those younger parents are so just busy. They're just caught up in the busyness of life that they think, oh, I don't have time for that whether it's a school club or whether it's a program that's with the school or whether it's a community sports activity, they just think, I just, I just don't have time for that. I just can't get it done. But if you'll take the first step, many times the adults that are engaged in those programs can help you meet your needs. So if you're thinking, well, I can't do that because I'm not going to be able to have a ride, or I can't do that because I'm not going to be able to pay a fee. If you at least start with a yes, meaning I want to try, yes, this is something I'd like to do, then you might find that those organizations, whether it's a, a soccer team or a football team or a rainbow for girls or a school club, they you might have other adults that are willing to help you drive to get places or help you find money to cover fees. So sometimes people put up the barriers themselves before they even start. I know, for example, um, I work with the Bridges Council. It is a juvenile delinquency prevention council that we started here a little over 20 years ago. We're kind of on a COVID pause because we're, it's the court system pairing with the school system and the community together to benefit juveniles. Okay. And with COVID, our schools have been so, for good reason, wrapped up in just trying to keep kids on educational track. But we're hoping to get back doing that. But the work that I do with Bridges Will, has told me that when schools do, for example, a back-to-school event, only a small portion of folks will do a back-to-school event. But I mean, this coming week on Thursday, August the 4th, at least all the North End Hardin County, if not all Hardin County elementary schools are doing back-to-school fests. I mean, I was making phone calls this week, helping line up people to give haircuts for free at those events. And you think, oh, I don't need to go. I don't need to go back to school event because, you know, I know where they're going to go. Well, take the time. You might be able to meet your teacher in advance. You might meet the principal. You might get a free haircut. You might get free school supplies. You might find there's uh, somebody that's teaching piano or singing lessons or somebody that's, you know, does horseback riding or sign up for Girl Scouts or Rainbow. If you just become a yes, I'm, yes, I'm willing to open up. I'm willing to try instead of saying, oh, they're not going to want me or, oh, I don't have the money for that. You don't know until you try. And right. so they'll find it. There'll be not nearly as many families as exist will go to those open fests or as a school starts and the school has um, opportunities for engagement with parents, whether it's um, a book fair and you're like, well, I don't have money to spend on a book fair. Well, you might be surprised. There are other parents who put money at the book fair to say, this is, a, this is a book I want for my child. And here's the money for the next person who doesn't have any money and, and buy them a book. But you didn't check. So you didn't know those were opportunities. And so just say yes and get involved. Schools will do, um, they'll have free pizza. 
They'll bring in a speaker to talk about um, resiliency or to talk about um, drug awareness and kids your age that you have. You know, if you're at middle school, kid, what's the drug issue in Hardin County with middle school kids? We'll pay an outside speaker, bring them into Kentucky, give out free pizza, be ready for 500 people and have 10 show. So be engaged because there really are opportunities that we're just not taking advantage of. Um, and they say, well, we don't have rides. Well, if you let the school know you want to be there, they might be able to pair you up with someone else from your community or someone else to get you there. And so just really be willing to be engaged and start with a yes. You know how as parents sometimes, oh, I know. I mean, I have a, a 31-year-old and a 24-year-old who were once teenagers, okay? <laughs> and so sometimes as parents, we feel like all we get to say is no. You know, no, you can't do that right now. No, I can't go there. No, I can't afford that. No, you can't have this. No, you don't need to be eating that. And you really want to be able to say yes. When they say, can I join a sports team? No, I don't have the time. And really the answer might be, I don't have that in my budget. Or, you know, I want to go hang out with my friends. Well, no, I don't know their parents. Maybe that's a good no. <laughs> but we try to have yeses. And so when the school sends home flyers about stuff, read them. You know, maybe that's a good yes. Find a way to engage. And the more you can try with a child, the more opportunities you may find something they enjoy that they'll get involved in and, and take on that engagement themselves. So get engaged, find mentoring. And as members of the community, for those of us whose kids are a little older, be willing to volunteer and give back. You know, the schools are looking for volunteers, whether you're helping to read during lunch or have lunch with someone while they're at school or just, you know, be a mentor in a school setting. There's neighborhood schools in Hardin County. If you live in Hardin County, Kentucky and many, many, many communities throughout our nation, we still have neighborhood schools, meaning you're going to the school in the same area where you live. So you can volunteer in that very school. You might find out it's the it's a it's a child who lives two doors down that you've got to meet and you got to have lunch. You can just be a lunch buddy. It's amazing what it matters when someone believes their the adults in their community care. And, and I think that's amazing that we miss that because sometimes it, it could be the very person that's living next door to you mm -hmm. that you don't realize they don't even have food in their house. And yes. you're seeing them every day going in and out the door, but you're not really paying attention. We're missing that in the community. Yeah. Mother, um, Teresa, Mother Teresa says, and we should all, you know, you hear love thy neighbor. Yeah. And her question is, do you know your neighbor? When I do a leadership training for teens, I'll ask that question. I'll say, okay, as a teenager right now, can you name the neighbor that lives across the street and on each side of you and behind you? Do you know your neighbor? Can you name them? Not just do you know their face, but can you name them? I mean, if they needed something, would you notice? You know, if their trash was set out for five days and you're wondering why didn't they put their trash can back? Are they okay? Do you, do you, can you knock on the door and say, Ms. Jones, I'm worried about you. Your trash can's been out here for five days and I just want to know that you're okay. Do you need some help? You know, do you know your neighbor? If you know them, you're more apt to connect with them. And that's exactly the resiliency we're talking about that keeps kids supported and keeps, and is the best factor to keep them successful. And I've noticed it's different now with this generation because uh, the parents are a little bit younger now <laughs> than they were when um I, I think us coming up because like for instance with me I had I came from a dysfunctional family but the one thing that I give um, my mom credit for is she was a community person so at the time that I was growing up they had programs that were like Pikita which is basically they paid us to go to school during wow. the summer 
So um, that was one way for us. To, we learned to trade, like we learned uh, uh, culture. We learned a little bit of plumbing. We learned how to make T-shirts, prints, and we got to do cool stuff like, you know, bake. We learned some baking and we got to go to a field trip to the zoo. I don't know what it had to do with anything, but it was cool to do that. Oh, and get eyes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wish we had that here. I don't I don't know of anything like that here in Hardin County anyway. Now, I know Louisville has had some teenage work experiences that let them do almost like intern or externships. And they had done that some through Louisville. But I haven't seen any of that here in Hardin County. What a wonderful idea. Somebody needs to get a grant to do that. Amen. I, I, I believe in that. And to me also, in all honesty, I think it kept myself and my brother out of trouble because instead of running around the neighborhood, because we were key, we were key latch kids. We basically let ourselves in and we were there, you know, we had Jesus in us. Well, my dad was army. So, yes. <laughs> so we, we were scared of him. Smart. <laughs> I, I, I too was an army brat. I fully understand that. Colonel Wigan Hoffer's residence, Kim speaking. <laughs> So, yeah. And I mean, we, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, too. Um, which now kids talk to you like they're on your level. But anyways, I, I think that maybe like what you said, the problem is we're afraid. We're too prideful to admit we need help. Yeah. So I, I think it is, like you said, for us to open our eyes and actually look, look for opportunities. Yes. Yeah, there are so many opportunities in this community for kids to be engaged, but I hear all the time, there's nothing for kids. There's nothing for kids. Well, there's all kinds of amazing sports activities and adults volunteer as their coaches or as the, they'll have booster clubs that go with those so that the boosters will help raise money. So that if they need new jerseys, you don't have to, you don't have to have the money to do that yourself. You can go do the fundraising. And I mean, there are, there are adults who invest themselves. They decide that's how I want to give back. And to them, it's a form of ministry. It's a way they have to see that I'm helping the next generation. And, you know, not everyone in this world is a faith person. I wish I could give my faith and my hope to everyone, but I can't, but I know that's still what motivates me. And there's a lot of other adults in this community that are motivated that very way. We've got and a lot I, of good programs. I, and I think regardless of, of that, just being, it, it, if whatever is in you says, I want to be a good person, it should make yes. you want to reach out. Yes. And give a hand, not a handout, but a hand up. And I think we're on the right path. I do like some of the programs that I see. I do like, you know, where they have the community now that has the little sections where you can get food out of the little boxes that are going yes. up or even books. I'm a reader. Um, and the free I'm library. Yes. But one of my friends was Terry Owens. She's up in the North End and she's one of our team court coordinators. And she is a. She is a, a Radcliffe City Councilwoman, and she absolutely loves the little free library, helping to build the boxes and stock those. And I just think that's wonderful. I'm an avid reader. I am an avid reader. And I believe that teaching our children to read at a young age or just letting our children listen to us read at a young age. My grandson is almost two. And one of my absolute favorite things is that he will come over. There's a toy box in my house just for him. And he will be more likely to pick up a book from that toy box to bring it to me than a car. And I love that. I love that. And it's because he's seen that. We, what, model, what behavior we model is what they're going to pick up on. And so when they see us read, then that's when they're going to read, right? 
Yeah, I think we have a question. Uh, sure. I didn't hear him. Okay. A comment. Okay. So Mr. Drew said a lot of people don't feel like they can ask for help because it makes them less of an adult to say they need to help. Too much of our culture makes fun of the less fortunate and helps them. Unfortunately. Yeah. I can see that as being a little truthful. But we've got to get beyond the pride thing. Yeah. Real. Yeah. And, and I'm, I don't disagree with that at all. There is definitely a perspective of individuals that say, I don't want to ask for something or I don't want my children to know I've asked for something. I don't want them to feel I want them to feel like I'm I can get it done. But you're right. It, there, it is it is an issue of pride. And we just have to be able to say, I may need help now, but I'm going to give help later. Yeah. There's somebody um, a pastor once told me that if you don't. If you don't ask for help, you have taken away the blessing of someone else who would have gotten to help you. And I never thought about it that way. I always thought, well, I don't want to ask for something. I don't want to ask for help. They say, you don't understand. Somebody out there wants to bless you. And it will be good for their heart to be able to help you and lift you up in that moment. So don't take away that opportunity for somebody else to bless you. And that's true. I tell people that all the time when I sew into them and I go, no, don't get it. I don't steal my blessing. Yes. Take what you're getting. Exactly. All exactly. Right, so you got another comment? I don't see it yet. Uh, okay. It says, but when we ask for help, we don't receive the help that's needed, nor the resources. Well, who are you asking? And I can't say that's not true. I won't say that you, that they're, they're, we're going to be able to um, fulfill every need of every family that we know that's not going to happen. Um, in Hardin County right now, we have a significant homeless population. Mm. You know, there are people who come to our county and that are not able to be housed and, and we can't meet all their needs. I would like to believe that we could have um, cooling shelters all over our county right now. They're not there. So if someone came and asked for that resource, it doesn't exist. So I can't say that we're able to meet every need. But I hope that if we can, if you ask the right people, that they can help connect you. In Hardin County and across the state of Kentucky, I don't know about all other states, but we have family resource centers. And we, for short term, we call them Friskies, but it's the Family Resource Youth Service Center. And there's one attached to every school. They can't meet every need, but many times they're able to connect you. Um, and so that's that's what the best way to get help for youth if you're just not sure where to start is to go to the go to the back to school events that are happening and meet the Frisky, the Family Resource Youth Center Service Coordinators, because they can oftentimes get you connected. I hope you got that, uh, Gloria. I seen you saying that as you're talking about single parent families like you yeah. don't have uh, you're not afforded every you know resource that you need to to get ahead. But two, I, I still like, like she said, I guess it's us connecting around getting connected to the, to, to the right resources to get that. And I guess it really does take like, um, knowing who, who to, uh, you know, who can you trust? And, and in all honesty, I still say, if you just swallow pride, cause eventually you're going to get a yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I truly believe that God will, he'll put you into a place or a position for the right people. It has happened to me. And I don't think that I'm nobody special yeah. uh, that, that has happened for me. Yeah. The, um, in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, there's, 
There's a wonderful program called Mission Hope for Kids. And my church, Grace Heartland, helps to partner. Lots of other churches help to partner with them. But they deal, I think they're going to be mostly elementary school kids and working with them after school and through summers. They'll do afternoon meals and snacks. They'll help with tutoring. And they'll um, they do affordable Christmas through our church that we bring over. We just sponsor that affordable Christmas. And they do that work with, with missions for Mission Hope for Kids. So, I mean, there's programs like that. Hey, look here. We're on live TV. I want you to meet my grandson. <laughs> We're on live. He's just come to see me. There, come here. Do say hi? Wow, he says. There's nothing more important in my life. I told you all my roles. Look who this is. Denver, can you say hi? Do you see yourself on TV? Hi, Denver. See, his shirt says rad like dad. That's who we are, rad like dad. Look yeah, at your Nana. Bye. She's on TV. Yeah, he says bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Oh, that's fun. I love it. I love it. Sorry. That's my life. You're fine. Area. No, this it's is life. You need to see that. Now, see, you guys, a judge yeah. does something other than, you know, sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jennifer says hi. Did you see her say hi? <laughs> so. I do love that. Like I said, uh, and see, guys, I think if you if you haven't had the opportunity or maybe you didn't know of some of the resources, sometimes it's just getting connected to the right people. And tonight you're in the right place. So even if this wasn't something that you uh, had an opportunity to take advantage of, you've heard it now to share it with somebody, you know. Because that's why God has you in this moment right here on this podcast right now, because you're going to need the information Judge Kimberly just shared with you to share with somebody else in the community. Because I know you guys know of other single parents that are striving and struggling or even parents that maybe there's two in the house, but one of them's, you know, at that they're at that 80, 10 or 80, 20 percent where maybe one's not involved. And yeah. the other parent could use, you know, this information. So please make sure that you guys go back, watch this, share it to somebody that might need it, even if it doesn't mean necessarily for you. And that's your blessing. Yes. Right? Yes. God's giving you a seed to plant in somebody else. So uh, and uh, y'all know, like I said, because we're going to draw everybody to Jesus. We need to get have a Jesus moment right here. We need to remember that we are our brother's keeper. And if you have not, and it's one of the reasons, like I said, I think you drew me to use because I was looking for something to get involved with. Because in all actuality, um, Judge Kimberly, um, I tried to do something within the community because Danny used to work for Illinois' second largest homeless shelter. He was a, the day uh, program director for that. And then I volunteered and worked part-time there as well. So we have a passion for the homeless. And I mean, I sincerely, sincerely mean that. <laughs> um, but I want to see everybody lifted up and get involved in this opportunity because I don't want to see another soul get misplaced because, you know, somebody's passed them by or missed an opportunity, like you said, to be a blessing. So um, what are some other things? Now, the bridge program that you talked about, Bridges, bridges tell me more of that, because I'm not certain I got everything that you guys do when you are running in the program. It's, I know it's you said you do back to school programs. Yeah. Bridges is basically an advisory group. It's a judicial advisory group and it's called, we call it Bridges. It's Building Responsible Individuals Demands Guidance, Encouragement and Support. 
all fancy to say we want to bridge together our court system, our schools, and our community. And so we have a group of individuals from each of those areas. We have the SROs from the schools are represented, the school resource officers. We have teachers, we have administrators, we have prosecutors and um, juvenile defense attorneys and judges. And then we have some community members who are out there. Pastor Palmer's church that we met, Pastor Palmer, mm -hmm. I met through, um, through Bridges Council originally. Oh, and so okay. we look for ways um, to do some overarching work and uh, over the years, we've had grant money. We were able to be a granting money. Um, at other times, we get grant money. It just depends on what's out there in the world. For example, right now, Hardin County Schools has a program that's called um, truancy mediation. So if you end up with a truancy charge, you're in middle school or high school. And before you end up with a judge, you're going to go through a truancy mediator. And that is an opportunity for you to be in a confidential setting with one individual and they say they're not and they're not affiliated with any particular school. They're just they're hired outside and you say, what's keeping you? Why are you not in school? Because we know you're not because we've got your attendance. What's keeping you from being in school? And you, you find things like they'll be open and honest and they'll say, I can't read. And, and I should be able to read and I can't. So I'm, I don't want to go. And so they'll say, if I got you tutoring, if I lined up someone to do tutoring in your home or at the library or at the school before or after school, if we did that, would you be willing to go back to class? Would that make you more confident and successful? And they'll line up tutoring. I mean, this the former mediator, he um, he said one child came to me and said, um, my shoes have holes in them. And I don't want to go to school with shoes with wow. holes. He said, if I get you tennis shoes, will you go to school? And he's like, well, maybe it depends on what they look like. <laughs> and, so, and so he found the right shoes that that kid wanted to have the confidence that he wasn't going to be made fun of, that he was just going to be like everybody else and be able to go to school. Um, some of them have medical issues and they, their medical issues weren't being met. If they were dealing with diabetes and they weren't getting their medication or they didn't know how to take it. So they were sleeping through class or they were oversleeping and missing the bus. You know, they'll help work through some of those issues. But they're trying to remove barriers to be successful in school attendance because we know to be successful in school, you got to get there. Yeah. So they're doing their best to get that point at that mediation. So Bridges... Bridges was the program that saw that need, found money for that grant. And after we did the three-year grant, we were able to show the school system that it significantly improved their attendance. And so the school system took that on and was able to um, make sure that that program now exists. And that individual, although they're not a typical school employee, they contract and the school system pays that person contract to be that mediator. Because, oh. you know, if you've ever done grant money, grant money is usually one, two at the max three years and it runs out. Mm -hmm. And you got to find a way to sustain it in the community. That's really hard to do. But we were able to show the schools that it was to the benefit of the kids they serve. And, you know, schools get seek money um, by depending on who's sitting in their classrooms. You know, part of their funding comes from attendance. So we were able to show them that it benefited their attendance they gave them some seek money as well as supporting their kids. And so the school system has taken that on as a contract. And so the sustainability, it's been there for over 20 years now. Wow. And, so, and how many of y'all know that? Because I did yeah. not. Well, you shouldn't have to know unless you have a kid that might need it. Right. right. Amen. But I mean, still to know that. Yeah. Lord, you asked a question. I was, It says before it gets to the point, are, are there any programs to set in place? Are you yeah. talking about? 
attendance and truancy diversion. Yeah, in truancy, the that starts at the school level with the usually the associate principals or principals with truancy, and the family resource center will often get involved if they're having issues, um, if they're having trouble. For example, um, they just don't know how to have if we're working with a middle school kid. And you need alarm clocks. You need to have some a, a talk, an adult to talk about why is it important to go to school and how do we make sure that you can get up. And because we know for some of our kids, even at middle school level, they are getting themselves up and getting themselves on the bus because parents work a night shift and aren't home yet. So latchkey kids aren't just at the end. So when you're when you're very first showing that the attendance is before you get to the level of truancy charges, when you're seeing that that attendance is falling off. The first thing that's going to happen is at the school level and that resource at the frisky level. And then if you need to, if you end up with the court system before you get to a judge, you'll be able to work with the court designated workers program. And they do up the, our schools, both in Hardin County, Elizabethtown, middle school and high schools. Our family court judges will go in and do a, a truancy diversion program either in the mornings or the afternoons with kids that are having issues and they'll meet and say, okay, what do we have to do to make sure you're at school? What, it, what is it that's keeping you from being here and being successful here? So all those things can go in place before you ever end up in an actual truancy charge where you have to be in court with a truancy charge. If you're young, elementary type age, you might have charges of educational neglect where the system is charging parents with not meeting their educational needs of their children. If you're a junior or senior in high school, then you'll probably be charged with truancy because we put more responsibility on that child. Why is it you're not getting there? Mom got you on the bus. You got off at school, went in the front door, went out the back door and disappeared. What else was mom going to do? Because you took your own feet out the back door. Mm -hmm. So you never, ever give up the responsibility of a parent. It never becomes completely the responsibility of a child till they're 18. But there's that that um, that system between educational neglect and truancy where the schools still become a part of that and, and deal with those issues. Yeah, I, I agree that our um, Gloria was saying we need an early morning school start for parents at work crazy hours. There are. Oh, my goodness. There's there's so much. Um, yes, it's so difficult, whether it's early hours or late hours, whether it's child care or whether it's after school care or early school care, you're right. It's very, very difficult to get to get those things done to meet the, the working responsibilities. It's hard. It's hard. I won't, I won't pretend like it's not, especially if you're trying to hold down a job and your employer wants these hours, but school only matches it here. And after school, you're already home by then. So what about the before school hours? And um, there are some times you can report early and get breakfast and do those things, but it doesn't mean there's going to be a bus to get you there. And it doesn't mean it's going to be early enough to match your schoolwork either. So I won't I, I I think that is, have a solution to it yet. The, the, uh, then, like you said, that is so frustrating. I mean, that's one of the things that I've kind of been fussing at my job for is that they have all this money to make all these parking lots. Anyways, but <laughs> I'm like, why don't y'all, you have third shifts that you sh you, you have. And I, I heard that the Toyota plant has this where they actually have daycare for their their employees. Yeah. Some of the bigger, some of the bigger places do, but not, that'd be amazing. But another thing that um, I know that I have friends that have done before when they had those issues where they would partner because one of the friends would work early. One of the friends would work late. And so they would just come together as a community and say, okay, I got the kids in the morning and you're getting them in the afternoon. 
Or like my sister who lives in Atlanta went through a phase when she had kids. She had a friend group of like five or six women and they would all come together on either Saturday morning or Sunday night and whatever their schedule was. And they would do meal prepping. And so if I meal prepped, you know, I know how many people in your family or my family, I'm doing all chili and I'm doing all chili for all five families. And you're doing spaghetti for five families and you're doing pork chops for five families. You meal plan and then share. You know, it just comes together where you have to have to work together to get that stuff done. I mean, you just sometimes you have to to come together as a community and say, do I know my neighbors? I'll do early if you'll do late. And these are some wonderful ideas. Um, I hope y'all are all catching that. I know, Lori, I know your list could go on. You can only trust certain people. I mean, you have to, when it comes to my kids, you're going to have to earn my trust. Right earn my trust when it comes to my kids. I'm really cautious about that. I mean, I, I understand. I had a really good friend. Her, um, They moved in from the military. Obviously, we weren't good friends when they moved in. And her daughter went to school with my daughter. And my daughter just fell in love with her and said, will you come, will you come over and play one afternoon? Or do you want to come over and um, spend the night? And her mom said, no, you can't go stay with, with Megan because I don't know her mom and dad. And later she would just get tickled and laugh and say, I didn't know that Megan's dad was a police officer. Megan's mom was a judge. I just knew I didn't know her parents and couldn't trust him yet. <laughs> and that's healthy to make sure that you know who your children are with. And Absolutely. So I get it. You can't just be you can't just be trusting because they live nearby. I agree. You have to be cautious about that. And this is where... We Get to want, like you said, it, it 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 means engaging yourself with your community around, getting familiar with who's around, uh, your neighborhood. You know, watching your neighbors. I mean, you you kind of have discerning spirits. You know, you can kind of read stuff off of people. So, um, but uh, it is it 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 truly is like I said, different nowadays for the parents that are coming out now. Mm -hmm. um, with this generation, because, um, I, uh, like I said, something about this younger generation is different. I remember it was a village. If we did something, the neighbor could get you. <laughs> uh, they could call my, they knew my mom, where my mom worked, you know, <laughs> call her, your daughter's down the street doing this and this. And then a lot for me, I had a lot of family around my neighborhood too, like my mom's family. I don't know. It was a whole tribe right there within, you know, three block radius. So I kind of had a little bit of protection because of that. But guys, well, what the one thing that we want to emphasize is that we do need to engage our community because she's she uh, Judge Kimberly has stated a lot of things that I didn't even know that were within this school community um, here. I knew a lot about my kids because I took an interest from where I felt neglected. Um, yes. When I, I grew up, I felt like I was kind of passed over because, you know, nowadays, you know, teachers have 50 million students in this little bitty classroom. It's, you know, it's going to happen sometimes. But um, I made it a point to become engaged in like you, the PT, PTA and, you know, and yes. those little clubs and stuff, getting yourself involved, knowing your teachers, getting to know your teachers. And sometimes volunteer, even, volunteer. Yeah. Just tell your teacher at open house, um, you know, these are my work hours, but I'm off these days. Or if there's a, 
you know, if there's a, a function that I can do, if I can come out and help it, you know, I, I know you have to sign up with school and I know you have to do a background check to be able to volunteer. But, you know, if I can come in and read with you all, if I can, you know, come be a lunch buddy, if I can help chaperone a school trip, if I can, you know, what, just tell me what I can do because I want to be there for my child. And if you're an adult in the community, schools still look for adults to come in and do those things. Even if you don't have a child in that school anymore, go to your neighborhood school and say, you know, you can run a background check on me. I'm willing to help out. And they do, they have to do that. You know, Kentucky law says they have to do that. But if you're able to just reach out and volunteer, do that. Because like I said, that number one issue for resiliency in children is having a strong relationship with another adult where they feel like they can open up. Yeah. So even if you're a single, you know, family parent, it's finding using wisdom and finding a mentor to help you. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we, we're about ready to wrap, wrap up. We got one more comment it's from the perspective of the court system. How do we help these children that are dealing with issues that can cause mass shootings by teens and young adults? And that's going to be our last question. Thanks, Danny. Just save, just save a humdinger for the end. <laughs> um, the difficult thing is that the folks who are talking about school shootings it's hard to say that there's a profile. And if there's not a profile, it's hard to address it in advance. I would say that um, it still comes back to that same resiliency. Number one factor is connectedness and being able to have an adult. So that connectedness, to me, that's the most important. If someone is a loner, if they've um, withdrawn from their peers and withdrawn from the adults in their life, that would be a, a factor I would be concerned about. So that connectedness is what's really important. For example, it, it's been shown that if you are connected to your community, you're not going to vandalize that community. If you know that the mom and pop store at the end of the at the end of the road is owned by Mr. And Ms. Jones, and you know that their son, you know, went to school with you, you're not going to spray paint that one because that's Mr. And Ms. Jones. You know them, you know, when you're connected, you're not going to harm. It's just less likely to create harm to someone that you're connected to unless you've you know, created a, a, a just a, an issue between you individually. But it's that connectedness that really makes the difference. So I think that's important. Not letting kids isolate, not letting kids pull back from their peers and from the adults that are in their lives. So keeping them connected, finding some finding a way to be with them and do with them. And, and I think it's good even when you volunteer, if you get your children involved in that, too. Yes. Go serve, at, go serve at Warm Blessing Soup Kitchen and bring your kids with you. Yeah. Go down to the Kentucky Food Bank and sign up and bring the kids with you to, to fill the backpacks for the backpack program. I mean, go out to Freeman Lake and pick up trash together as a family while you walk. You know, just take your plastic bag with you and pick up stuff along the way. I mean, we have walking trails that are gorgeous in E-Town. We have city parks in Radcliffe and E-Town. I mean, there's, you know, there's great things to do if you'll just, you know, open up your eyes and walk around and look. Amen. Amen. So I know, guys, you guys, I appreciate you guys for engaging. And we could go on and on and on and on. <laughs> and once again, Judge Kimberly, I just thank you, Judge Schumann, for giving up your time this evening. I know your grandson's waiting on you. So, guys, we got to let her go so Nana can go play with Denver because he came to see <laughs> And they're waiting dinner on her. And so we want to say thank you again, Judge Shumik, for uh, giving up your hour to spend with little us. We learned so much, and I pray that we engage 
in our communities more now that we got some information or we share this little bit of seed that you planted with us. And I pray God's blessing over you and everything that you do, that everything your hands touch is blessed and it's prophetic gold uh, and that people get more engaged so that we keep our systems out of that, you know, keep our kids out of that vicious cycle of, you know, entering into the system. So thank you again. Thank you. That's my pleasure. So if you've got any teens in this area, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors, Thursday, August 25th at 630 at the Hardin County Courthouse is open house for teen court. So we're looking for volunteers who are teenagers to come in and learn to be the attorneys, the bailiffs, the clerk, and the jury in those in those cases. It gives them an inside Wait it. Did we look at the system? Seen that and been a part, you're less likely to come. Amen. So August 29th, you guys, is when the open house is 25th. I'm sorry, 25th. If you did not get that information, inbox me. And I'll tell you this: if you got one of them rebunctious child, you know, that you gotta, you know, pray for, this might be a good opportunity for you to have them serve. Strong-willed children are welcome. Amen. So if they learn something, you because that might just be our future attorney or prosecutor right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or our next judge shoemate. <laughs> so yes. come on. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. So I've run out of time. I want to thank you again for tuning in to I Got Favor. It is your time to shine. Let's be about our father's business, y'all, and get engaged in our community. And I want to thank you again. Just you, mate, for coming in and stick around for just one moment, then I'll let you go. <laughs> Everybody else, we'll see you next week right here on I've Got Favor, where it's your time to shine with me, your hostess, Prophetess T. Have a blessed and prosperous week. <laughs> We thank you for tuning in to I've Got Favor, where it's your time to shine with Prophet's Teeth.